He does. Would you like to study it? Today we're going to look at Psalm chapter 1. We're going to Psalm chapter 1. So go ahead, take a Bible. Take a Bible with me. Go to Psalm 1, the very first Psalm. Psalms is right basically in the center of your Bible. We're going to Psalm 1. And we're going to find this picture of tree-like discipleship. A picture that God has for each and every one of us. He envisions this. If this is God's vision for us, then this must be more real than my vision for my own life. Psalm chapter 1, when you're there, say amen. Amen. And before we even start reading, let's bow our heads together for prayer. Oh, Father in heaven, today we are thankful that you have given us life in Jesus. And Lord, sure, we can be honest. And at times, we feel like we are just surviving. But Lord, I pray that this would not be the perpetual state of things. I pray that if, if we may feel like we're just barely getting across the finish line, Lord, that, that we would have a revived, rejuvenated sense that you can give us life in Jesus. Lord, I think of that the verse in John where it says that you came to give us life, life more abundant. God, we, we want to experience that, not just someday way beyond the blue. We want to experience that now in Jesus. And so please, as we study this picture in Psalm 1, I pray that it would be more than just an idea that's nice to think about, but that it would become our very experience. So please, send us your Holy Spirit. Please give us faith to actually believe that this is what your word says and wants to accomplish in your life. Lord, I pray that you would not just inform us, but transform us by the power of your word today. We pray in Jesus' name, let the family say, amen, amen. All right, Psalm 1, Psalm 1, and I'm reading from the New King James today. Psalm 1, beginning in verse 1. We're just going to read these verses together and just kind of go at a snail's pace. What is this picture how, how is it that God has made us to thrive? Psalm 1, beginning in verse 1, the Bible says, Blessed, blessed is the man. Blessed is the, blessed is the person. Right? Here, Psalm 1 is going to describe to us the blessed person. And that word blessed, it's simply the Bible's designation of happy, like truly happy. The true ideal, the life that is divinely appointed, the life that God has in mind for each and every one of us. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. You notice that in verse 1, if we were just to look at verse 1, the description of the blessed person is actually a description in the negative. Do you notice it? It's what the blessed person does not do. What does the blessed person not do? Well, he doesn't walk with the ungodly. He doesn't stand with the sinful. He doesn't sit with the scornful. He doesn't go with their company. He's not actively moving in the direction of the ungodly, but he's not content to just not participate. He's not content even to be around it. Nor is he in, like, discontent with... His, his commitment is to not just distance himself from its presence, but he doesn't even want to be in a seated position to even give face to that kind of stuff. All right? This is the blessed person. The blessed person is, is described first in the negative because it's going to set up 
what the blessed person actually does. So let's read about it in verse 2. What does the, the blessed person do? It says, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And in his law, he meditates day and night. These are a few words, but it's so deep. So let's take a little bit of time here. The blessed person's delight is in the law of the Lord. The word delight here is referring to, I don't know, what, what, what kind of words come to your mind when you think of delight? What, 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 is, what is another synonym for that? What is a delight? Fearing. Say it again. Fearing. Fearing. Okay. What, what? Enjoyment. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. What else? Something you cherish. Yeah. It's some, what else? It's, it's something you like. Delight. Happiness. Yes, yes. It's, it's your longing. It's your yearning. It's your pleasure. It's, your, it's the thing that brightens your face. It's the thing that makes your heart go fast, right? The delight of the blessed person is what exactly? A new car? <laughs> the delight of the blessed person is what exactly? When the, when the Broncos win? No. <laughs> the delight of the blessed person is in the law of the Lord. The law of the Lord. What does that mean? The law, the, word, the Hebrew word here is Torah. Can you guys say Torah? Torah. The, the Hebrew word for law is Torah. It means instruction, or in, in a general sense, it means the revelation of God's will to humanity. In other words, it's God's word. It's God's word. The blessed person, the one who, who is living the divinely appointed life, they're not hanging out with the ungodly. They're not sitting in the seat of the scornful. They're not, they're, they're, they're not standing in the path of sinners. Instead, their greatest joy, their greatest delight, the thing that gets their heart beating fast is when they hear a word from the Lord. Because the word of God is life. The delight is in the law of the Lord when he sees and hears a revelation from God himself. What's the big deal about the law? What's the big deal about God's word? Actually, if you just flip a few chapters over, uh, hold your finger here in Psalm 1, go to Psalm 19. Very quickly, the same psalmist is writing here. In Psalm 19, he's talking about this law and what it does in his life. Let's see about it. Psalm 19, verse 7. When you're there, say amen. All right, Psalm 19, verse 7. It says, The law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The statutes of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. Do you see how potent the Word of God is? The Word of God has power to convert. The Word of God is not just informative, it's actually transformative. Do you see that? Yes or no? Yeah. The Word of God actually enlightens us, causes us to see life in a completely different way. It makes us wise, not, not just knowledgeable, but it makes us wise to connect the dots between the things that are going on in this life and the plans of God in the life to come. It makes us fit, not just for this life, but the life to come. The Word of God is power, and that's why the blessed person, the blessed man, the blessed woman, his delight is in the law of the Lord. Go back to Psalm 1. I like that this verse, in verse 2, Psalm 1, verse 2, it says, His delight is in the law of the Lord. The fact is that it's not just one of many delights, it's 
his or her supreme delight. His supreme delight, the, the very thing that this person lives on, is the word of God. That is a blessed life. The truly blessed person then recognizes that in this world, there are many sets of instruction. There are many sets of voices in this world. There are many sets of Torahs of a human origin. But the truly blessed person gives highest priority and first attention to the instruction and word of God alone. That's the blessed person's life. Why? Because he or she has to? No, because he wants to. That's why it says it's delight. It's in the law of the Lord. He delights to. He enjoys to. He rejoices. There's pleasure in hearing from God. Question today, on a scale of one to five, how would you rate your delight in the law of the Lord? How would you rate your delight in the word of God? I don't know, maybe for some of us it's hard to believe. Maybe for some of us today, it's hard to believe that the word of God could actually be more pleasurable than other things. It's most pleasurable. Praise the Lord. You know, I pray that would be, I, I pray that would be all of our testimonies, but I think if we were to be honest with ourselves, we would recognize that there was a time, or maybe there is a time, where that wasn't the case, or that isn't the case. If you find it hard to believe that the Word of God can actually be pleasing, that the Word of God can be satisfying to the soul, I would, I would encourage you to take honest stock of what you delight in aside from the things of God. Do you, do you see what I mean? Because delight, really, it, it's almost like a limited commodity. We can invest so much delight in so many things, not in an endless amount of things. Maybe a, a better illustration of this is, you know, if it, around Christmas time, we've got all these Christmas treats around and stuff, and maybe before Christmas dinner, maybe you found yourself uh, delighting in the desserts of certain Christmas trays before you got to the main dish. And when you fill up your tummy with snack food, junk food, treat food, whatever, you have a hard time delighting in the real deal. Same thing with spiritual appetite. If you find it hard to believe that the Word of God can really bring delight to the soul, let's take an honest look. What have we allowed ourselves to delight in that is taking away our appetite for the Word of God. Do you see what I mean? Yeah, this is, this is a question I need to ask myself because there are times where, you know, going to the Word of God is not necessarily a party, you know. <laughs> well, maybe it's because I've been allowing my attention and my energy to be invested in other ways so that when it comes to the Word of God, I find myself dragging myself there. Whoa. The truly blessed person, however, has been deliberate to narrow her focus, to, to, to zero in his or her delight. He has guarded himself from investing his desires in the things that the ungodly do, and instead has reserved his delight for the things of God, for the word of God. That's the truly blessed person. The verse continues. Look at it again. Psalm chapter 1, verse 2. But his delight is in the law of the Lord. So that's an attitude. His delight is in the law of the Lord. But what's the action? And in his, light, in his law, what does he do? He meditates day and night. 
meditates day and night in what? In the law of God. In the law of God. Now meditate, I want us to be clear, I think we've mentioned this before, but the word meditate has kind of gotten a bad rap. This is not Eastern forms of meditation. Eastern forms of meditation encourage you to empty your mind. And uh, when, uh, a lot of times when we empty the house and we're not intentional about filling the house, uh, we, we become susceptible to evil influence, to spiritual influence. And so this is not what the Bible is talking about. Biblical meditation, however, is talking about filling the mind with God's word. Do you see the difference? Yes or no? Yeah? Biblical meditation, actually the Hebrew word, it's Hagah. And I think we have talked about this recently. Yeah, the Hebrew word Hagah, actually it's, it's, it's referencing the uttering of sounds verbally with your mouth. Uh, it's that kind of thoughtful reflection when you're thinking about something and, and you're actually whispering to yourself and you don't even know it. Hmm, should I get this size or that size? Should I get a large or a medium? Do I really have five bucks to spend on this pizza or no? no. <laughs> you know, it, it's that kind of meditate, like it, the thoughts actually take form in your mouth and you're mouthing it, okay? In this case, haggaiing the law, you're actually, you're not just glancing at the verse of the day. You're, re, you're reading it, and then rereading it, and then you're mouthing it to yourself, and you're just kind of muttering it to yourself, and it becomes like you're, you're not just rereading it, you're reliving it. You're reviewing it, you're being revived by it to the extent that you see something in the Word and you just gutturally respond, oh, yeah. <laughs> or you're hearing something being, being said or spoken or read, or you're, you're, you're reading it yourself, and it's like, oh, mm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Has that ever happened? Amen. When you're reading the Word, and you're saying, so, oh, yes. That's finding delight in the law of the Lord because you're meditating on it. Do you see? Yeah, okay, I hope that, that makes sense. So it's more than just a quick glance. It's when you're staying there. You're chewing on it. Like it's in your mouth. You're chewing on it. And sometimes that word haga, it's translated in other places to reference a dove that is cooing. You know? Or a lion that is growling over his prey. (laughs) Oh, that's satisfaction. I found it. Okay? That's what meditating on the word is to be like. And we love it when that happens. We love it when that happens. So when the word hits you with the courage or counsel that you need for that very moment or for that very day, don't you love it when God speaks to you? See, the blessed person doesn't wait for a teacher or a preacher to bring that to him. The blessed person finds it every day by going to the word him or herself. Because the Holy Spirit is a sufficient teacher. Yeah, amen. (laughs) <laughs> See you late. No, okay. <laughs> but that's the point. Look, I, I, that, that's something that is actually a heavy burden on my heart. I would hate to come to a place where my church is dependent on me for spiritual food. My goal as your pastor is to pastor you in such a way that you become a tree. <laughs> Plant, oh, I'm getting ahead of myself. But that you are able to feed yourself. If you don't delight in the word, ask and pray for delight in the word. If you're finding that your delight is is negligible when it comes to the word of God, but it's sky high when it comes to things not of God, then guard your delight. 
and narrow it. Focus it. Meditate on the law of God. And it says that the, the blessed person, and in his law, he meditates how often? Day and night. Day and night. There's no wrong time. There's no, every time is the right time to hear a word from the Lord. I like it. Day and night. Really, for me, this, this just kind of picks the bookends of the day. You know, the beginning and the end. Question, what was the first thing on your mind when you wake up in the morning? Maybe you don't want to answer it out loud. That's okay. <laughs> no, you know, food, okay. I heard someone whisper, Jesus, praise the Lord. You know, you recognize, ah, I'm taking a breath, and that's because of Jesus. Amen. You know, maybe the first thing on your mind is something uh, a little more, you know, just kind of tedious or routine. Maybe the first thing on your mind is a text message. <laughs> maybe the first thing on your mind is a TV newscast, getting your, your daily uh, dose of, of unnecessary information. I'm kidding. <laughs> maybe the first thing on your mind is a loaded to-do list or a bothersome alarm that you wish would snooze because you don't want the, un, the, the unwanted responsibilities of that day. <laughs> well, what's the last thing on your mind? That, that you're alive. Amen. First thing on your mind, gratefulness, gratitude, praise the Lord. The last thing on your mind, what's the last thing on your mind before you go to bed at night? Still thanking, praise God. That's, that, that's evidence of an eye that's fixed on Jesus. Maybe if you were just to kind of review your daily habits over the last three, four weeks, you'd realize that the last thing you did before bed was, you know, maybe it was an argument. Maybe it was some off-color drama or comedy sitcom. Maybe it was um, a Facebook post that you didn't need to see. (laughs) What was the last thing on your mind? For the blessed person, the first thing and the last thing is the word of God. The first thing and the last thing is not about what's entertaining me, but what I'm receiving in my relationship from God. For the blessed person, the book ends shape and define the day itself. And this is, this is something I find to be so true. The way we deal with the book ends of the life actually impacts the entire life, you know? Um, And I think this is why the blessed person is so intentional. He's intentional to let the first thing and the last thing on their mind be God's instruction and revelation. Why? To set the tone at the beginning of the day and then at the end of the day to recalibrate the heart toward heaven. That's what the blessed person does, day and night, meditating in the law of the Lord. When we go back to the psalm, in Psalm chapter 1, verse 3, here is where we see the picture. What is the blessed person's life like? Here it is. Ready? He shall be plant, excuse me, he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth its fruit in its season, whose leaf also shall not wither, and whatever he does shall prosper. Now that's being made to thrive. Man, that is not hanging on by a strand. That is not being suffocated by, that is, that is thriving. That's the life that I long for, not just occasionally, that's the life I want every single day. That's the hallelujah day. Yeah, that's the hallelujah life right there. 
Now check this out, check this out. Let's just look at this, this verse three. He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth its fruit in its season, whose leaf also shall not wither, and whatever he does shall prosper. If you're taking notes, if you're looking for a space to take notes, just look at the back cover of your bulletin. But if you're taking notes, here are five marks, five marks of the thriving disciple. Are you ready? Number one is intentionality. Intentionality. The verse says that he shall be like a tree planted. Planted. The word for planted is actually, it carries the idea of being transplanted. In other words, the tree didn't just pop up there. The tree was put there. There was purpose. There was design. There was an intentionality in being put there. The blessed person deliberately chooses to strike roots where he or she can be nourished by the divine revelation of God's word. Intentionality. That's the mark of a divine, a, a tree-like disciple. So number one, intentionality. Number two, freshness. Freshness. Where is this tree planted? It's planted by swamps of stagnant water. No, the Bible says it's planted by rivers. Rivers constantly flowing. There's a freshness there. There's a flowing supply, a constant... It's never stale. It's never static. The blessed person receives a fresh supply of God's word, a fresh supply of God's instruction, of his counsel, of his empowering promises, a fresh supply every day. So intentionality, number two, freshness. Number three, fruitfulness. Fruitfulness. It says, he is like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth its fruit in its season. When I think of a, a fruitful life, I think of a productive life. A life that, that is productive not because it's trying hard, but just because it's planted where it should be planted. And so this fruitfulness is actually the natural result of, of choosing to be planted by waters and then making sure those waters are living, are flowing, are rivers. This fruitfulness is, is a natural result. It's not something that we contrive or manufacture of ourselves. So when we're in the Word day and night, when we're truly planted in God's Word, meditating on it, we will always, always have something to offer people. Do you realize that? We will always have something to offer people. And as Psalm 34 verse 8 says, that, that others can taste and see that the Lord is good. When we have that kind of fruit, it's because we're striking root where it counts. And that's in the word of God. So five marks. Number one, intentionality. Number two, freshness. Number three, fruitfulness. Number four, steadfastness. Steadfastness. Look at it. This is, he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth its fruit in its season, whose leaf also shall not wither. That's an evergreen. That's a fruited evergreen, right? There's steadfastness even through struggles. This tree is not uh, immune to struggles. This tree is enduring through the struggles. When we're planted in the word, we become resilient. Resilient. When we're planted in the word, no matter what life's challenges and pressures are around us, no matter how cold the winds of life are blowing around us, they won't strip our lives from us. We will have spiritual stamina. That comes from being planted in the Word. Do you want that today? Amen. Man, 
So five marks, intentionality, freshness, fruitfulness, steadfastness. Number five, prosperity. Prosperity. God actually wants to prosper you. Notice the very last phrase of verse three, and whatever he does shall prosper. This seems like almost too good to be true. (laughs) Whatever he does shall prosper. How is this possible? How is it that the, the person who's planted in the word can be productive and always fulfill his or her own purposes. Why? Because when we're planted in the word, our purposes will match God's purposes. When we're planted in God's word, truly finding life in his word, delighting ourselves in his word and not our own, not the world's, not anyone else's, when we're finding our life in him, then all of our plans will be from him. Oh. And of course, God knows how to accomplish what concerns us. (laughs) Whatever he does shall prosper. Why? Because he's doing what God wants. She's doing what God wants. Those are the five marks. Man, who wouldn't want these things, right? (laughs) Who wouldn't want to be a tree that is intentional, that is fresh, that is fruitful, that is steadfast, that is prosperous? Who wouldn't want that life? The question is, how do we obtain that? And we've already seen it. Verse 2 Verse 2 has already given us the practical hinge point. It says, But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night. So let's get practical. What can we do to delight in God's word and meditate in God's word? That's what it boils down to. Because if we want the tree life like, tree like life, (laughs) if we want the tree like life, God is giving us the practical uh, attitude to have, to lighten the word, and the practical action to execute, meditate in the law. All right? So there it is. There it is. So what are some simple steps for delighting in the law? If you want, you can take these notes down. Number one, I would say, guard the investment of your delight. Watch where your delight goes. (laughs) And if it's entering into areas that are things that are not of God, realize that that's going to sap your appetite for the word of God. In other words, ask yourself, what environments am I surrounding my life with? And are those environments that increase my appetite for God's word or decrease it? What media am I surrounding my life with? Is that helping me want the word or not? What relationships am I investing myself in? Is that going to drive me to the word or is it going to pull me away from it? These are the kinds of things that we can take honest stock of and just say, okay, how am I investing my delight and in what ways do I need to guard it? All right? Simple steps for meditating on the law. Maybe today you're realizing, okay, I I, I love the word. I want the word. I just don't know. uh, It's just not a part of my life. I'm not making it, like, come from here to here. How do we meditate on the law? Here are some simple steps. Simple steps. One, set daily time. Set daily time. And I would say about this time, when you're setting that daily time, make it undistracted time. Make it unhurried time. Do you know what I mean by that? I mean, you can't just have a relationship with a really close friend and say, okay, guys, we got three minutes. Let's be close. One, two, three. No, 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 no. Closeness with family and friends. You know, maybe over the holidays, you you saw people that you haven't seen in a while, and these are your favorite cousins, but it just doesn't click right away. And it's not like you've got, a, you've got time limits on that. <laughs> That's why the blessed person realized, hey, I'm meditating on the law day and night because it takes time to build relationship. Wouldn't you agree? It takes time to build relationship. 
I don't know, I guess people do speed dating and things like that, but, but this doesn't work. This doesn't work in the most important of relationships, yeah? So set daily time, make it undistracted, make it unhurried, and I would say make it bite-sized at first too. Because some of us want 15 minutes, some of us can only handle five minutes, some of us long for three hours, you know? Whatever the case, make it bite-sized at first. So set daily time, make a daily plan, Okay, make a daily plan. And what I mean by that is, is uh, give yourself an idea of what you're going to meditate on, what you're going to read in the Word. You know, some of us at the beginning of a year, we, like, we kind of think to ourselves, hey, I'm going to get through the whole Bible this year. Has anybody ever done that? Yeah. Hey, and that's not a bad goal. Don't get me wrong. That's not a bad goal. But in the bigness of the goals, like, you know, like was mentioned earlier, I'm going to exercise more or whatever, in the bigness of those goals, you need to break it down into simple steps. So if you're wanting to read through the Bible in a year, here's, here's what you do. Every day this year, I'm going to read four or five chapters from the Bible. That's it. I mean, yeah, it's a lot. But <laughs> what I mean is break it down into the action, actionable steps. Yeah. And so m- maybe for this one, we would say keep this daily plan bite-sized too. Okay. So how about this? In the month of January, I'm going to read through the Beatitudes. That's Matthew 5, 6, and 7. Three chapters. In the month of January, I'm just going to meditate. I'm going to sit right here and let those teachings of Jesus marinate in my heart and mind. Or maybe it's something else, like uh, I'm going to do four weeks in Philippians, just because it rhymes, you know. Whatever. Just make it bite-sized, something that's doable and something that will allow the Word of God to marinate, because it's more about quality than quantity, yeah? So when you're wanting simple steps, how do I meditate on the lot? One, set daily time. Two, make a daily plan. And three, make a daily application. Make a daily application. In other words, don't just read the word, read the word, read the word, and say, oh, that was nice. (laughs) When you're looking for daily application, you're making it personal and you're making it practical. You're seeing yourself in the story. What does this have to do with me? What does God want to reveal to me today through this? I truly believe that God has a revelation of himself through his word to you every single day. There's a verse in Lamentations 3 that says, His mercies are new every morning. How in the world do his mercies come to us? Well, through all sorts of ways, but I firmly believe that one of those primary ways is through his word. Each and every day, daily bread, fresh from heaven. You can have it. You can have it. So make it personal, make it practical. In other words, ask God, hey, what's your revelation for me today? And not just to know it, but then, God, what do you want me to do about it? What do you want me to do about it? Man, just this week. There were questions on my heart and mind that I've been asking for several months now. And I wasn't really, you know, I wasn't really seeking a specific answer to that question that had kind of lingered over my life of the last six months. But as I spent time in the Word, there was something that I was just asking, hey, what am I supposed to hear in this? And suddenly God just said, this is it. This is the answer to that question that you never found an answer to. How did that happen? Why? I wasn't looking for it, but I was meditating in the Word, and God revealed it to me. That is an experience that I wish for all of us every single day. 
That's life right there. That's life right there. And so when we come together as a community of worshipers, guess what's happening? We're coming together as a, as a fruitful tree, as a fruitful tree, as a fruitful tree. And, and then unbelievers can say, oh, I can taste and see that the Lord is good. Wow. You're made to thrive. You're made to thrive. Where's your delight? Will you meditate? These are the simple questions. And maybe just as we've studied this, as we've just kind of gone through this very, very quickly, you've found something practical that here in the first few weeks, the first Sabbath, the first month of 2016, you can begin to experience tree-like discipleship. How many of you want to thrive today? Yeah? Amen. Let's, let's pray together. Father in heaven, this is a picture that you have. And we pray that you would transplant that picture into our hearts. God, we want to be like a tree. And so you've instructed us here to delight and to meditate. Lord, I pray that for those of us who are realizing that our delights are spread everywhere and that we need to narrow the focus of our delights, I pray that you would work that miracle. God, I don't know how to channel my own heart. I don't know how to set boundaries on my affections. And so we're asking for the power of the Holy Spirit to give us a new heart, to give us new desires, to give us a delight after your own character. Lord, we're also asking for, for practical action here, that we would learn to meditate, to chew on, to reflect upon the Word of God in such a way that it's reviving and life-giving. So Lord, I pray for each and every one of us that we would have an experience with you in your word today. And then when tomorrow comes, that you give it to us again. <laughs> Thank you that your word is that living. May, may our testimony be like the psalmist, that the, the law of the Lord is perfect and it's converting the soul. God, we want that to be our experience. Thank you that this is your picture for us. And so our simple prayer is that your will would be done on earth as it is in heaven. In Jesus' saving name, let the family say, amen.